So um, you've heard so many things. You've prayed. You've sang. I just want you to take a deep breath and be ready to receive the word of God. Okay. So can we uh, just have a quiet time? Uh, maybe 30 seconds. Can we just close our eyes and have a quiet time uh, to hear the word? And as you are closing your eyes and uh, focusing on the Lord, I want to read this word for you. Luke four twenty-eight. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill which the town was built in order to throw him down the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and he went on his way. Father, let your word be clear today. Let your calling be clear today and help me to preach boldly. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So one of our goal, one of our vision of this church, one of the vision of this church is to serve the poor. Not just serving the poor, but one of our effort is that we want to be great at taking care of the poor. Right? So if you're new, and if uh, somebody asks you about what is one of the things that you do at Santa Clara First Baptist Church, one of them is great at serving the poor. Please don't forget that. So what are we supposed to be great at? Thank you. Thank you. We are supposed to be serving at the poor. And we did not just come up with this great idea by ourselves. It's the message of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the poor in spirit. So when Christ is saying, blessed are the poor, then what about status and possessions then? What are we supposed to do with that? What about power? I mean, should I stop making money? Should I stop possess, taking possession, inheritance in our life? Uh, I think it's more than that. And we want to talk about this. So as I was preparing this sermon, it has been difficult for me. This sermon has been kind of difficult for me. Because as you know, your pastor uh, has tried to be very inclusive. And give you good thoughts for the day to live daily. And you, you have known that I have not really gone to very controversial uh, uh, topics and things that happens in this country, around this nation. Because sometimes there is no end to it and it's not really helpful. But this sermon has been difficult for me. Because the word that I read from you from Luke, it was the people in Nazareth, his hometown, they want to push him off the cliff. They want to kill him. For the things that he said, and that is our Lord Jesus Christ, and his word has challenged me as a pastor, and one of the role as a pastor that I have is the role of a prophet. I'm not claiming to be a prophet, but the prophetic role of the pastor. So that was what was difficult for me, and you will know as I go on. So I want you to have an open mind, and don't jump to conclusion yet until the end of the sermon, okay? So let's stay this together. Uh, so uh, don't... Well, I can't help if you want to push me off the cliff. I can't really help, right? I hope somebody is there to save me, that's all. All right. <clears throat> so I want to give you some pictures. It's helpful. Things that are happening around the world. 
right? So that's Tim Tebow. He's taking a knee. He's a, taking a knee for his faith. He is a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he is. He was a football player, player, and he took the knee. And this was kind of when he took that knee. It was a big thing. People talked about it. Everyone talked about it. Radio airwaves, the television, right? Um, and then there was another guy that took a knee, right? Colin Kaepernick, and he's also taking a knee for a cause. And people talked about it, and some had a great reaction, some had violent reaction. Right? So, so right now, even here, when you see this picture, some of you are having violent, repulsive reaction, and some of you are like, who is that guy, right? Because you don't know him, you don't care, and some of them are like, yeah, I'm with him. The thing is, they both lost their job. They're not playing football anymore right now. Thibault lost his job because people don't like him kneeling in the name of Jesus. People don't like Colin because he kneeled for a cause, right? But the conversation is very different. It was not a conversation on why they are kneeling. The conversation is on the flag and the military, right? The, the, the kneeling was on Christ and his faith. And all these things are affecting the country, the nation, and our church. So my question to you is, where is our church in this? Where are you? Where is your feeling today as a follower of Jesus Christ? Because what your feeling and your attitude is, that's going to be our church. That's going to be our church. So if your life is consumed... With posting for Colin, against Colin, for Tebow, against Tebow, violent reaction, for reaction, strong. And your life is consumed with that. What did that speak about our church? What did that speak about our calling, our church in this society? In this community, are we clear on our calling? Are we clear on our message? Or we're right down the line on who should kneel, who shouldn't kneel. And you're posting on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Is for this. Great memes, you know, fantastic memes, great memes, funny memes have come out of this taking a knee. The thing is, I read from Philippians chapter 2, right? Philippians chapter 2. And the Word of God says, Christ is the form of God. But He emptied Himself as a bond servant, taking the form of a man. And He left the throne. He did not consider equal to be God. And He came down to live with us. And He was obedient to God to the point of death. To the point of that. Now you find in the gospel that Christ took a knee. Where was he taking a knee? He was a taking a knee in Gethsemane. Gethsemane, the garden. The night he was going to be betrayed, he took a knee for whom? For you and I. He took a knee for the kingdom of God. He was taking a knee and crying and the pain and the sorrow was so strong that he was sweating like blood. 
And he was taking a knee for you and I. He was taking a knee for you and I. Who are we taking a knee for? Santa Clara First Baptist Church. In the scripture, when you see, when you, when you take a knee, when you, when you fall, when you fell flat on the ground, it is a sign of coming under the absolute authority of God in obedience that I will follow what you instruct me to do. Right? Taking a knee is to come under somebody and say, I accept your authority. Why is it that when you watch a mob movie, Right? Great mafia mob movie. Why is it that they will come and kick at your leg so you will fall on the knee? Because they want you to bow to them. So who do we bow to today? As a church. And your message. Is it clearly aligned with the kingdom of God? Because we know. We know the effect of violence and look here this is Vegas 58 people lost more than 500 people shot right uh, what do we talk about gun control from the first day itself do you know the names of the 58 people do you know the name of the 500 affected but on the airwaves including our church for gun control against gun control it has become about go what about the suffering of the people one of the couple when they start hearing the shooting they say they described that it was like a war war what did they do they took a knee and they prayed to Jesus for safety but we talk about gun control Not only that, but things are happening. A lot of things are happening. And there are funny memes that we make a joke out of it, or even on serious things. For example, like this, that's my brother. <laughs> I don't know what the madman will say about that. I don't know whether you guys watch HBO, but you know, it's very popular. And you're at the brink of a nuclear war. When all these things are happening, Jesus gave up his reputation, form of a God, humbled and emptied himself for me. And poor in spirit is the doorway to heaven. Right? But what is our conversation like? What is our attitude like? Are we poor in spirit? Do we consider other people better than us? Are we looking out for the interest of other people? The 12 people that went to Texas, they surely did. They went out of their comfort zone and looked at the interest of other people. So today, to embrace the vision of the kingdom of God, which I am called, 
which I am called to clearly give the message, then we must listen to God's instruction regarding the poor. Regarding the poor. You cannot talk about the kingdom of God minus the poor. Right? We must live like Christ with the poor. We have to look at our absolute leader and see how he lived with the poor. Then we must learn from the early church in serving to the poor, how they served the poor, how they treated the poor. Then there might be something that we can learn from there today. So that's what I want to look at. So let's take a story. One of the story of life event of the Lord Jesus Christ. So in Luke chapter 4, what the background is, the Spirit of God took him to the wilderness. He fasted for 40 days. He was tempted by Satan. Then he came back full of power. And he has served in that area, in Capernaum and area, for about a year. And people have heard and seen all the great wonderful things that he has done. Right? Now, he is going to Nazareth, his hometown. After a year of ministry. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. As his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. It's very interesting here that the Lord Jesus Christ had a habit of going to a worship place when he was a young kid. And as a grown man, he did not give up that habit. He's going back to worship. This is why it's important for young people to worship with us in the church. So when my wife and we came, one of the things that we uh, and our staff ministry team, we talked about, we'll worship with the children together in the church. Why? Because we want them to grow up and remember this and make it a spiritual habit to come and sit under a pastor. The greatest pastor. (laughs) That they will want to go to church when they grow older. And so you can hear some baby noise crying at the back in the middle here and there, you know. And then you give that eye to that parent, right? Okay. Just watch out, God may pluck it out. So he went to church. He's going back to church after a year. Great ministry he came. I'm going to go to church. The other thing is that, and he stood up to read. You found out that Jesus knows how to read. Right? He knew how to read. This is amazing. right? He learned how to read. Not many people have access to education. Our Lord Jesus Christ knew how to read. Especially girls who are not allowed to learn and read. Very few people went on to education after 13 years old. Christ did that, and he learned till 30 years old because public ministry starts after 30. And this is his public ministry, first time ministry at his hometown. He's coming back, right? So, um, he, he, uh, he read this thing, and what did he do? Uh, he picked from the prophet, okay? So this is a temple reading. When he went there, somebody stood up and gave him a scroll, and the scroll happens to be uh, the scroll from Isaiah 61. Great, great chapter. Now, uh, so it was the prophet and the law. I want to talk about here is that when he was being tempted, when he was being tempted by Satan, and he was about power here. 
It was about power. Satan is saying, I will give you the power so you can release those who are in chain, those who are broken hearted, those who are poor. But I will give you the power to do that. You take my power to do that. You to chain, to unchain the chain. And Christ used from Deuteronomy, which is the ceremonial law, the book. He said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Right? That's the ceremonial law. But on this day, he read from the prophet Isaiah, non-ceremonial law. It's congenial for him because he has come as a prophet to right the wrong. The word prophetic ministry is not just about, oh, this is going to happen five years, two years from now. That No, actually the main part of prophetic ministry is when there is injustice happening in the land, when God, people of God has turned away from God, it's the prophet that comes and right the injustice and bring the rebellious people back to God. That's the role of a prophet. Are you with me? Yes. So it's not about on 2018, December 25th, the war is going to end. And we see prophecy as that way. The role of a prophet is when a king went against God, the prophet comes and says, you have sinned against the Lord. I want you to come back. That's what Nathan did to David. Elijah did to Ahab. So he read, the message and the ministry... Is very clear for our Lord Jesus Christ. He stood on the word. He knew the word. But his ministry is prophetic. Righting the wrong. Bringing justice and injustice. Taking care of the poor. Then, what is our message? What is your message? When you take a knee for somebody, what is that message for? If you're taking a knee for Tim Debow, if you're taking a knee for Colin Kaepernick, you must be clear on your message. And his message was, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive, and recovery of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So when Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 61 and in Isaiah 58, the picture he painted was the release of Israelites from captivity in Babylon, in Babylon. The return of the captives. He's seeing this picture. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor, those who are in chain, the captives, those who are oppressed. Christ took that painted picture and put it on himself to say, I am the one that will do that. From exile to Christ. And then he defined his ministry. This is what my ministry will look like. So preach the gospel to the poor. Set free the captives. The Greek word captive is captured at the spear point. It means to release a prisoner of war. Wrongly confined in prison. That you have taken somebody at a gunpoint and put him or her in prison, planted some false evidence and put that him or her in the prison. And if you are in such position as Christ's follower, God is asking you to stand up and set them free because that was done in a wrong way.
It's amazing that Christ took the picture of the poor and painted it straight as a doorway to go into the kingdom of God. We talk about the violent world in, way, in Vegas. Violence in the world, whether it's North Korea, Iran, in relation with America. All this tumultuous time. The good news is a non-violent kingdom over a violent world. The non-violent kingdom is the answer for the violent world. So if we're not clear on our message, and if you think that you can be a part of this violent conversation and try to beat the drum harder and harder so other people will listen to your violent message, that you will be the one that comes out victorious in your violent message, we are going down the wrong path. The kingdom of God is a non-violent kingdom over a violent world. And it can be won over by a non-violent message. It's to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Right? It is acceptable what is year. It's not just for a year. Okay? This is the messianic age has come. It's the jubilee. The jubilee has come. What is a jubilee? Briefly, jubilee is a celebration on 50th year. On that 50th year, you will return all the land that you have taken from your neighbor. You will free all the slaves, all the slaves. Whatever possession other people owe you, you forget their debts. You do that on the jubilee. It's releasing those who are chained and oppressed. You're giving back the poor a chance to start their life again. The ideal goal of God is that there will be no poor on this earth. That's why He's giving these practical things to do. That's the jubilee. See, in the kingdom way, is making the message resonate and the ministry relevant. Is your message your life resonating to other people. And the way you live is making a relevant message to other people. This is what he's reading. Are we part of the Jubilee then? Santa Clara First Baptist Church. Are we part of the Jubilee? Did you forgive the debts of other people? It may not be monetary. But did you forgive their sins? Did you forgive when they do wrong things to you? Or you're still holding on the grudge for 50 years. You haven't talked to your sisters for 20 years. You haven't seen your mom for the last 10 years. Where is the jubilee then? That is a violent message. That's a violent attitude that you have in a, from a non-violent kingdom. And how can we win over this violent world when we are also part of the violent messaging? Violent instant messages, violent Snapchat, violent Instagram, violent Facebook, very violent. All our languages are charged, charged. He closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes were on him. 
And he began to say, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceed out of his mouth. And they said, Is this not a son of Joseph? The gospel is a winning word. Right? And Jesus is the winning way. We have gone away from the winning words. Full of grace. The gospel, the good news is gracious. It is pleasant and charming to people who listens to it. Then we got to message it right. We got to package it right. Are we truly giving the gospel to people? When you're sitting in your company, when you're out there partying with your friends, when you're out there in your school and college and you talk about the kingdom of God, it is, is it full of grace? Because when Jesus read the Bible, now he was standing as it is expected. When there is a reading, you're supposed to stand, except when you read Esther in Purim. Then you're, you may be seated. Other than that, when you read the scripture, you stand. Right? So he was standing and reading. Now he is sitting down and he's not making attempting to go back and people are expecting him because they have heard that for a year he has grand, done great things and all eyes were fixed on him and he sat down and look at the words that come out of his mouth today that is fulfilled oh my mind blowing mind blowing oh wow what is he saying then he continued to talk about the gospel I'm here for the poor I want to uh, give liberty to the oppressed I'm going to unchain those who are chained and the one, the people that heard, they bear testimony to what they have heard. It wasn't a rumor. It wasn't a rumor anymore. Right in front of their eyes, they bear witness. And they were mesmerized, mesmerized, captivated by his gracious winning word. If we have to start revival in this church, our speech shall be seasoned with grace not violence and the mark of a revival is that we started reading the word of God love the word of God and spending time with God and with God's people and the words that come out of our mouth are not tearing down people are not cutting people are not violently destroying people then we'll start to see revival He said to them, you will surely say this proverb, physicians heal yourself. Whatever you heard is done in Capernaum, done also here in your country. Then he said, as shortly I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. This is a proverb. In the proverb, you say, physician can heal themselves. They're saying in Nazareth, you said you're Christ. You show us that you're Christ. You give us the evidence right now. You prove us your claim of your messianic position. Right? They're demanding. Give me the evidence. Give us the evidence to believe who you are. In his own hometown. He was expected to prove his claim. But it was not about Jesus. Do you see? It was about the intention and the attitude of the people in Nazareth. Christ knew the attitude and intention of the people. He was not respected. Right? He was not respected. And he will give two stories. And I want to get into that story. But now let me tell you this. That uh, 
Um, I wasn't born in this country. I uh, immigrated here in this country. So when I studied, when I went to conference um, and sit there quietly and listen to them, and they will say, hey, by the way, where are you from? Right? Oh, I am from uh, Chicago. No, no, no. Where are you from? Right? I'll say, okay, I was born, born here. And they, oh, so where is your, where do you pastor? Oh, I pastor in this church. Oh, it must be a multicultural church or an ethnic church, right? They'll make a, a quick uh, assumption of where I pastor. And I say, actually, I pastor like a 98, 99 Caucasian church. And then their eyes will get bigger, right? And say, who is this guy now, right? Same thing happened when I was in Portland. Remember, we were in Portland. He was in a group, and they were talking about technology and information, things like that, and how in the church. And we were there sitting quietly. Everybody's talking and talking. And my turn came, and I talked a little bit, and I mentioned that, uh, uh, that I am a pastor here in, uh, in California. And the quick said, oh, so is it an ethnic Asian church? I say, no, we are very diverse. Uh, we still have a, a majority Caucasian in our church. And then they found out that I'm from the Silicon Valley, right? And then I start talking about our church, things that we do. And suddenly now, everybody's like talking, okay, let's hear. He, this guy's from Silicon Valley. He must know technology, right? <laughs> you see how the world thinks, right? Prophet is not, has no honor. In his own country. It's the attitude of the people. How's your attitude towards serving the poor? That's where we're getting at. Because if we don't get that attitude right, we may miss the kingdom of God. Because your attitude and action is directly linked to you getting into the kingdom of God. So we would think, said Deuteronomy 10, Deuteronomy 16, Deuteronomy 24, it's about taking care of the poor. Okay? James chapter 1, 27, Isaiah 58, taking care of the poor. The prophets, the law, and the New Testament are in agreement of taking care of the poor. I am amazed. Even the early church are in agreement of a beautiful example of how they took care of the poor and the widows. No con- no, no conflict in that theological understanding. But how is it that the church has a violent reaction about taking care of the poor? Why is it that you have such a violent reaction to taking care of the poor here in America? You term them lazy, entitled, right? They are no good bums. We have all kinds of names for the poor. And we claim to be the people of the kingdom of God. And such violence reaction to them. What did that speak about our church? I tell you truly, Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months. And there was great famine throughout all the land. But none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman 
who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, but none of them were cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. Jesus brought out two stories to make a point. How God chooses to bless the Gentiles and the foreigners and outsiders instead of the Jewish people by these two stories. This was a widow. She's going to prepare the last meal and she and her son is going to die. There were so many widows in that area. But Elijah was sent by God to only to her. Only to her. There were many lepers. This great Assyrian commander. Well liked and honored by the king. The Syrian king. He had leprosy. There were many lepers. God sent Elisha. Or Naaman came to Elisha. And took, took a deep Seven times in River Jordan, and his skin became like a skin of a baby. This is the story of one of the first conversion of a Gentile into a Jewish religion. And the story of the widow has been repeated again many times. And God chose to bless outsiders, not the Jewish people at that time. When they heard that, they had a violent reaction. Violent reaction. Because they were different. These were poor. These were outsiders. Jesus sent the meek, not the mighty. Jesus sent the poor, not the powerful. To overcome the violent world in a non-violent way. When you're thinking about violence... Don't think about taking the guns, knives, and shooting and killing people. Your words can be as violent as a blazing gun. And we cannot have revival. We cannot build this church and stand as a true form of the church of Christ if our words are violent against those who are outsider, those who are poor, those who are not from our faith, we cannot have a church that represents our Lord Jesus Christ. You see now why it was difficult for me as I was preparing and thinking about these things? Because it's on us, right? We cannot blame others. It's on us. We have the winning words and we have the winning ways. We have to find our way back to that to win the world. And you cannot win the world with your violent word and your violent action. Let me stop with this. So all those, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city, and they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. Then passing through the midst of them, he went away. How many times do you think Christ has passed by our church? And we have tried to violently push him out of the door, that he went away. That would be tragic. That would be tragic. 
Thank you for giving your life. Thank you for giving your resources and finances for the kingdom of God. And uh, if you feel like today, you know, God's speaking to me. I want to be a part of this uh, kingdom vision. Kingdom vision where justice is lifted up, where the poor are lifted up, where the good news is lifted up. And we want to be part of the winning word of the Lord and winning ways of Jesus Christ to interact with people outside and in a non-violent action and words. I want you to be a part of it. And some of you have been looking around for church that you want to become a part of a church family. I want you to consider this to be your church. We are not perfect. We are not perfect. If you're looking for a perfect church, it might be across the street. <laughs> but, so, but if you're looking for imperfect church, I would like to offer you this because we worship a perfect God. We worship a perfect Christ and He will help us along the way. So, The ushers are going to come down. Before the ushers come down, if you want to be a part of that, can you come forward with them please? Yes. And I ask the ushers to come forward.